0: So weary But I must Hold on
1: Time, Melissa Carmen's gonna bring a special.
0: Life is easy when you're up on the mountain and you've got peace of mind like you've never known. But then things change and You're down in the valley Don't lose faith, child You are never alone For the God on the mountain Is still God in the valley When things go wrong He'll make them right And the God of the good times Is still God in the bad times The God of the day Is still God in the night We talk of faith when We're up on the mountain But the talk comes easy When life's at its best It's down in the valley Of trials and temptations That's when faith is Really put to the test For the God on the mountain Is still God in the valley When things go wrong He'll make them right And the God of the good times Is still God in the bad times The God of the day is still God in the night. The God of the day is still God in the night.
1: Alright, that's awesome, one of my favorite songs, and... uh, and it matches perfectly with the sermon for this morning. Little, uh, picture I ran across. My child, you worry too much. I've got this. Remember? Love God. And, uh, remember that. God's got this. And so I want to share that with you. A topic that we've all dealt with. We deal with it a lot of times. Now, some people say that they don't worry, but, uh, that's probably not true. <laughs> We all worry to some extent. Go ahead and open your Bibles this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter 6, and just reading a couple of verses there, uh, 31 through 33, and we will look at this topic. Um, it is powerful. Worry. We all do it. We worry about things, life, people, health, finances, whatever. We worry. And uh, so. Take this, so don't, it's not about what I think about worry, it's what does God think about worry? What does He think about worry? Let's stand for the reading of God's holy word this morning, just uh, three verses, just three verses, and uh, we'll kind of take this and soak it in. Verse 31, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what do we drink, or where shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, in other words, stuff. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. And this is the key verse, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And His righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. Let's pray. Father, may we seek You with everything we've got. Amen. You may be seated. May we seek You with everything we've got. Um, I just want to... Talk about seeking God and trying to seek His will. I'm always seeking God and trying to seek His will. It doesn't mean my priorities are always in line. My priorities. I've I've shared with you stories before about getting my priorities out of whack, and we all do that. We all uh, put something ahead of God from time to time. Uh, and just uh, one time uh, before there was smartphones, I had ESPN. Before there was ESPN, I had a newspaper. I loved my daily morning newspaper. Coffee, newspaper. God tapped me on the shoulder. He says, <clears throat> where do I rank? I was I was reading that stuff before I read the Bible. And then smartphones came along. And now the first thing a lot of times we do, I'm an email, Somebody, you may be a social media person. I'm an email person. I've got my emails all relating to ministry, most of them. Missionaries, ministry, churchleaders.com, all kinds of stuff. And a lot of times I was reading that, which is good. But God was saying, what about me? What about my word? Uh, you going to talk to me today? And so, but seek ye for the verse 30. How do you do verse 33? I was listening to God and uh, before church camp. And they sent me the material. And the material is uh, about Romans twelve one, you know, and he, and he said, you know, I beseech you therefore by the mercy of God to present your bodies the living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse two, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable sacrifice. And so, uh, I, that, that's what it was about, being transformed. And I was thinking, it just wasn't clicking. And I'd run across this other material, uh, that I was looking at, looking at. Matter of fact, it's going to be our next Sunday night Bible study in the, uh, topic class that I teach over there in the Hope Room. The name of it's called Audacity. And it's, uh, it's how to witness to homosexuals. And long story short, uh, you know, you witness to homosexuals like you do anybody else. And, uh, but there's some unique, uh, Objections that you may be facing this and that. And so I'm like, well, I'm looking at this. I'm like, Lord, do you really want me to teach this? And the name of this study again, Audacity. And it's based on the sentence that, uh, do you have the audacity to believe that God sends people to hell for, for just loving people? And, uh, that's the name, where the name comes from. And, uh, but anyway, I said, well, Lord, okay, I'll teach it. I don't know why I feel led to do this, but I will. And I went there and I started teaching it. And I had about 40 adults in my class for a church camp. These are the adults that are not cell group leaders and not plugged in or whatever. And all of a sudden, I was inundated with stories. And people's coming to me heartbroken. My my children, my grandchildren, my sister, my brother, my friend. And I don't know how to talk to them. And I don't know how to approach them. I don't know what to say, and it was just unreal. And uh, there was people's experiences and testimonies, and and I said, "Thank you, Lord. Thank, thank you, Lord, that you let me that I listened to you and that I and I spoke what you led me to speak on. And so and it was just it was amazing. And I didn't know it. And then I'd all, I'd planned out my material, and then they asked me to be on a panel, and the panel is just three uh people who get up there in front of all the teenagers and uh and then uh and they all get up there and and uh you know some of the one of the questions that came up to me and said well does uh you know why is God's word, why does it uh say this and why does it say that and, and they it, the two topics was racism because of the Ferguson incident, the Baltimore incident, and the Charleston incident in our country and I, and I talked to the kids bluntly and honestly. And uh, I was very blunt with them. And so were the other two guys on the panel. I didn't know. And the other topic was we only had two panel times. And the other topic was homosexuality because of the Supreme Court decision. Now, a lot of those things, that's another sermon. But a lot of these things will cause us to worry. And we'll worry. But the in just two passages we're going to look at and we're going to talk about uh what causes worry and then how to battle it what causes worry and how to battle it there's there's three causes of worry that I listed here it's all in your outline so you got plenty of ammunition because uh, we always need ammunition don't we what is causing our worry the very first one is just real simple simply unbelief head to the book of Hebrews chapter 3 and uh look at verse 18 Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 18. And of course, the writer of the book of Hebrews is using the story about the uh, the Hebrew people wandering in the wilderness. They didn't, go, didn't get to go in the promised land. And it says in verse 18, And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest on the promised land? But to them that believe not... So we see they could not enter in. Why? Because of unbelief. So a lot of times in my life, what causes me to worry is I don't believe the the little picture that I showed at the beginning where God said, Hey, I've got this. We don't believe God's got it. We've got to help Him out. And, that, and that's it. So I don't believe that God can handle my problem. And really what we worry about usually never happens or maybe we worry about the outcome of something. Now, again, worrying, I've preached this before, worrying is not a sin unless you don't give it to God. You, in other words, you feel it coming on, you feel worry happening, you say, okay, God, I need to give it to you. That's when it becomes sin. It's kind of like uh, David, and I've used this illustration before too, David saw Bathsheba, but that wasn't a sin. <laughs> the sin was when he continued to saw Bathsheba. <laughs> he just kept me and said, oh man, I gotta pursue this one. And so the sin was not seeing, the sin was pursuing. So the sense a worry is not the sin, you got it, boom, it happens. What are you gonna do with it? What are you gonna do with it? You gonna, you gonna hang on to it? You gonna leave God out of the picture? Unbelief. I don't believe God. I've gotta take care of this because I just don't, I don't feel like letting it go. Unbelief. They didn't go into the promised land. Why? That scripture right there says they didn't go into God's rest. Why? They didn't believe God. I've got this. I've got this battle. No, 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 no. Have you seen the problem? They were looking at people that were nine feet tall. They were looking at a land that had huge walls and cities. They were looking at a land that, I mean, I mean every wall had a machine gun on it. No, just kidding. They didn't have machine guns then. But, I mean, they were blown away by the defenses. They were blown away by the size of everything. They, they said, there's no way, God, you can get this. And God's saying, I can But they said, basically, they said this. You may not say, I don't believe God. But that's what our actions reveal. And then next, not going to Him. A lot of you love this scripture. Love. I love it. It's awesome. Matthew chapter 11. Okay? Verse 28. So, you know, before we really get on our knees, before we really pour out our heart and come down and pray about something, I have uh people have come to me before with their problems. Before Br- brother Michael, what do you think I need to do about this? What do you think I need to do about this thing right here? And uh and I'll say, Well, how long has this been going on? And uh, well, six months. And I'm really starting to pray about it. Well whoa. whoa. <laughs> Well, we should have started praying six months ago. (laughs) I mean, a lot of times we don't go to Him, but what does it say here in this passage? Take a look at it. Matthew 11, okay, beginning verse 20. Come unto me, all you that are, that labor and are, look, look at this next passage, are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart. Again, you shall find rest. But folks, uh, uh the whole thing about worry, uh, Jesus saying, I've got rest. You say, I got burdens. If you're worrying, it's like carrying a weight. How many of you have ever experienced this? How many of you have ever experienced this? For you, you came to the altar to pray. Or maybe it was in your living room or bedroom, and you really poured your heart out to God. Have you ever felt like a weight has been lifted off your shoulders when you give it to God? Have you ever felt that? If you ever haven't felt it, you hadn't ever given it to God. But when you give your, lay your burdens down. When you really give it to God, it's like a weight being taken off your shoulders. Come unto me. All you who are labor and are what? Heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. I want to give you some more rest. And then he finishes up in verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So number one, I don't believe God. Number two, I don't go to Him. And then I don't trust Him. We've seen this great story in Mark chapter 4. Verse 37, <clears throat> there was a big storm, and uh, maybe there's somebody going through a storm right now in your life. If you're saved, if you're saved and you're going through a storm in your life right now, guess who's in the boat with you? Wake him up. Okay, Jesus. I need you here. And Jesus can give you peace in the middle of the storm. And I must have forgot to put that one in. Thank you, Kenneth. You're awesome. <laughs> and it says there's a big storm, verse 38, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And it said, this is, a, this is not a rhetorical question. This question here is panic. Master, master, care's not that we perish, folks. Have I? I'll admit it. I've panicked before. I have panicked. I've said. I've just basically saying, God, where are you, God? And you know, and we live. Would y'all would y'all agree with me that we live in an instant society? We live in a society where we. I mean, you pray and you're thinking, before my head hits the pillow tonight, I'm going to have an answer. But doesn't God work on a different timetable than we do? (laughs) I mean, like, I pray about something, eight months later, God God answers my prayer. To Him, that's just a second. I mean, eight months later, that's just a second to us as eternity. you got to wait? You're kidding. Eight months? But God's saying, I want to see if you really do trust me or not. I really want to see if you'll hang in there. I want to see what you're made out of. Alright? Take a, take a look at the, just finish it up, the story. And he said, peace, be still. And notice what I've preached before. There's two things that happen here. Verse 40. Verse 40. Uh, it says, why are we so fearful? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So I've preached this before. And y'all know what was the opposite of fear? Faith. So as one goes up, the other goes down. Faith and fear. It's a seesaw. It's a pendulum. Well, how do you battle worry? Well, this is really cool. It's where we finish up this morning. And that's in Philippians chapter 4. So, those three things cause worry. What causes worry? I don't believe Him. I don't go to Him. I don't trust Him. I don't believe Him. I don't go to Him. I don't trust Him. Now, you you may say, Well, preacher, I've never done that. Well, we all know that's not true. I've done it. I try to do it myself. How do you battle worry? Philippians 4. Boy, we got to get this. How do you battle worry? Philippians chapter 4. A, man, this will preach. This here scripture is so bad. I just got to turn it loose this morning. I mean, I just let let the lion out of the cage. This is just gonna. This this scripture will just scream. You ready? Philippians 4:4. 4, 4. Basically, rejoice in the Lord always. This is a first cousin scripture that says, "In everything, give thanks." Where Paul said it in uh First Thessalonians five: "In everything, give thanks." Uh, Trey was on the way to church camp this past Saturday, right? Friday, and in uh, 110 degrees, bouncing off the pavement. Two flat tires. His brother in Christ is standing beside him sweating. They're looking at him, my son-in-law. And he's looking at these two flat tires and I'm sure they were both rejoicing. I'm sure they were praising the Lord as sweat drenched through through their underwear and socks. They're sweating from the top of his no hair down to his toes. And he's rejoicing. No, no, we don't always do this, but folks, according to God's word, attitude is a choice. Attitude, how you face life, when life throws you a curveball, how you attitude rejoice in the Lord. And I'd be lying to you if that other word was not in there but it says how to rejoice always and the bible also says in 1st Thessalonians in everything give thanks i don't feel like giving thanks in everything so it tells me not only in one Scripture, but another Scripture, that attitude is a choice. And so when life throws me a curveball, how am I going to be... I have to decide. You have to decide whether to worry or not. You have to decide your attitude. And whenever your tires blow out and everything's going wrong in your life, you still have a choice. You still have a choice on how to react. Verse 5, be with people. Let your moderation, now this is old word, and I put it in there, moderation means your gentleness, your kindness, your graciousness, your tolerance, your yielding spirit. I came up with a bunch of synonyms for that one. (laughs) There was a bunch listed. And it's an awesome word. And it's, let, your, let it be known. And it says the Lord is with you. So folks, whenever life throws you a curveball or a flat tire, the Lord is waiting to see how you'll react. Because guess what? You'll influence others positively or negatively. You'll point people by the way you react in your worry. By the way you react in your The Lord is at hand. He's seeing you. But He's also saying... I wonder what kind of example they're going to be. The Lord is at hand. So this is called being with people means this. I've got to have an influence on others. Let And it says there, let your gentleness, kindness, your uh, all of these things be seen, be known unto all men. Verse 6. I call this, obviously, get on your knees. Uh, King James says, be careful for nothing. Other versions put it more in our terminology. It says this, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. I've got this. Get on your knees. Well, usually, when do you get on your knees? When you run out of all other options. Isn't that right? When you've run out of all other... Well, I guess i got to pray now. (laughs) I've tried everything else. I guess I'll pray about it. I don't know what else to do. But it says here... Notice it says not only prayer, but it says in every prayer, supplication, thanksgiving... In other words, all your prayer life, let your requests be made known unto God. And then... Verse 7 is what I call the eye of the storm. And the peace of God. This is cool. Which passes all understanding. That means you can't understand it. You can't even wrap your mind around it. You can't grasp it. You can't explain it. I love it whenever you just got... When you can't explain something, you just got to trust Him. When you can't grab it, you just gotta say, God, I just don't understand how it works. And the word keep there shall keep your hearts. This is where worry occurs. Worry occurs in your mind. The mind is your will or choices and the heart your emotions. Have you ever, and maybe you're this way, do y'all know anybody that whenever they're really worried, they're just distraught and they're upset? they they may be they may have tears and you worry that's your that's your heart and your mind is where your choice or your will is so the word keep actually means set up a barrier around. God, the peace of God. So basically I've hit my knees. And when you come down to the altar and you get on your knees and you pray, and if you got artificial knees, just turn around and hips and just sit down and say, God, I need to pray right now. I need to pour it out. And the Bible says, when you give everything to God and when you hit your knees, the Bible says, and so basically I did verse four, I'm rejoicing, even though my life is messed up right now, I'm I'm trying to be. A good example around people. I'm seeking God with everything I've got. I'm praying. That'll happen. But you can't understand how it happens. Because that's what it says. The word keep means protect. The word keep means guard. The word keep means God will grab your heart and grab your mind. And He'll keep the devil at bay. But you got to do verse 4, 5, and 6 to get 7. But a lot of times we don't get there. We don't do what God wants to do. The very last thing. What do you need to do this morning? You need to believe Him. You need to go to Him. And you need to trust Him. As we prepare for him. of invitation. Would you do that this morning? God wants you to trust Him. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, I thank You for this opportunity that we have. I thank You that... You love us more than anything. I know that there's individuals here this morning that are are just, they've got worry burdening them down. I, I've experienced it. It seems like the older I get, and the older my kids get, the more I worry. I worry about the, the future. And I know I need to let it go need to give it to You. Dear Lord, help me to do that each and every day so that people could see how You work in our lives. Help me to trust You with everything I've got. In Jesus' name, Amen.